0: Hello and welcome to Things I Wish You Knew, the podcast, where we share real stories of pregnancy and infant loss straight from the bereaved parents themselves. Baby loss is such a lonely experience, but we don't have to go through it alone. Your stories matter, your babies matter, so let's talk about them. I'm your host, Laura Rizzo, stillbirth, miscarriage, and living kiddo mama, You'll never hear me apologize for my grief, but you'll definitely hear plenty of unfiltered thoughts and raw honesty. So buckle up, get your tissues handy, and let's talk baby loss. Hey guys, Laura here. Uh, It's a solo show again today. Um, I'm here to talk about miscarriage after stillbirth, Um, specifically it being in that order. So last time I was on here, I talked about going through a stillbirth and jumping right back into parenting a toddler after my son died. Uh, Today, I want to talk a little bit about when my husband and I finally decided that we felt ready to try to conceive again after loss. So after my son Nico was stillborn, I immediately wanted to get pregnant again. Um, I just wanted to be pregnant. Uh, the problem was I wanted to be pregnant with him. Um, and so I knew I just wasn't mentally ready to get pregnant again. My husband and I, we ended up waiting about eight months until we both felt ready to try again. And we were really fortunate that we got pregnant again the very first month. Um, and I was honestly just so grateful, but filled with fear. Um. I remember crying because I was so happy when we found out we were pregnant after loss, but also just because I missed Nico and I knew I wouldn't be pregnant if he had lived. And that was a really hard thing to wrap my head around. Uh, The mix of positive and negative emotions were immediate for me. um, And I knew it was going to be a roller coaster. And then... Almost immediately after seeing the positive result, I remember thinking to myself, if I can be one in 160, what is stopping me from being one in four? And honestly, I hated myself for having that thought, but I couldn't help it. After that, I obviously I called my OB, scheduled an appointment, and, you know, just did the normal parent thing of, beginning to dream about the future with that baby in it. Um, but soon after like those normal things, I began noticing that I wasn't feeling sick. Um, no nausea or morning sickness. And it really stuck out to me. Um, and it made me worry because I had severe morning sickness with my previous two pregnancies. And so I was just, Worried that it didn't feel the same. And then it started. The spotting. Um, I I instantly knew that something was wrong. Even though, like, we're told spotting early on in pregnancy is normal. I just knew that that I was about to lose this baby. Like, that I was going to have a miscarriage. I never experienced spotting before. And so that paired with not having morning sickness and honestly just also me expecting the worst, I I just knew like my gut told me that we would not be bringing this baby home. Obviously, I hoped I was wrong. Uh, and my OB, like shout out to her, she was fantastic and immediately got me in for an ultrasound. Um, but they did it and I rem- I remember her wording was... That so they could put my mind at ease. And that's obviously not what happened, right? Like I was supposed to be six weeks along and the ultrasound was not definitive. Um, they couldn't find what they said was a distinct heartbeat. Those were their exact words. So the ultrasound tech obviously couldn't like give us answers or tell us anything, Um, but she was telling us as much as she could. And essentially it was either we were a lot earlier on than we thought, um, or, you know, like she just kind of left it up in the air a little bit. Um, But we knew that it wasn't looking good compared to like previous ultrasounds that we've had with other babies. So, you know, the tech said that I'd be getting a call from – from my OB to talk about it. And I remember getting that call the next morning. Um, and I was at my daughter's dance class and my husband came with me because we were expecting that call. Um, and I just remember like walking away from where the dance class was like out to this like separate hallway area and my husband like following and, just hearing from her how, you know, things things weren't looking good. Um, they had already tested my HCG levels and, and they weren't doubling. They were increasing, but they weren't doubling. And that paired with the ultrasound, um, you know, she was pretty sure that I was going to miscarry, but she didn't want to jump the gun on anything because she knew how wanted the pregnancy was. Um And so I was still going to go in to t- test my levels a couple more times and go in for that ultrasound in a week um, to kind of just confirm things. But she did not sound hopeful. And so I was not hopeful either. Um, but I remember having that phone call while my my then three-year-old was in dance class and having to kind of like put on this face with like the other parents and the dance teacher. And it was, it's just so, it was so hard um, to get news like that, even though we were expecting it, but to get it in a public environment anyways. So after that, you know, obviously had that second ultrasound and it just confirmed everything um, that we we would, in fact, be losing this baby. And I essentially had three choices. Um, to wait it out at home and just let like, my body hopefully do the work itself. Um, and that sounds awful for me to even say it that way. But that was one option. Um, the second was to have mesoprostol. And the third was a DNC. And so after, you know, like talking with my husband a little bit, I uh, I ended up opting for misoprostol um, because I just couldn't wrap my head around just going home and waiting. Like I wanted a, a little bit of control over a situation that I clearly had no control over. It was just, I don't know. I just, I just needed that. Uh, the misoprostol ended up taking longer than expected to start working. Uh, but when it did, there was no mistaking what was happening. Um By that point, I was eight weeks. Uh, and it was Thanksgiving. So I will forever associate Thanksgiving with this baby and the loss of this baby. Um, I bled severely. There were large clots, I had bad cramping. It was not a very bad period. Like I don't understand how it gets described that way. Like that is not at all what I went through. Um so much worse, as many of you know. I remember crying on the floor of my bathroom and just feeling completely heartbroken and gutted that. I was failing for a second time to bring home a living baby and that I was failing even earlier on this time. Um, And just thinking like, why is my body betraying me? Why, Why is it letting down my husband and my family? And I just felt insanely guilty. My husband and I refer to this baby as sweet pea. Uh, It's because our very first ultrasound was when I was six weeks and they were the size of a pea. So the name just kind of stuck. So you'll often hear me refer to this baby as sweet pea or SP. Um, And for anyone who has been following me on social media for a while, you'll know that I literally shared about my miscarriage of sweet pea in real time. So from the moment I learned that I was most likely going to have a miscarriage to preparing for a miscarriage at home and like taking the Misoprostol and all the details in between, like all of it, I shared all of it. Um, Like I remember even taking a picture of like having a towel down on my bed being like, this is what miscarriage looks like. Um, just like, like all the nitty gritty. And I did it because it was so important to me to shine a light on miscarriage as it was happening. Because as we know, it's so common and yet barely discussed and like barely discussed in a way of like, well, how do I do this? Like, how do I have a miscarriage at home? Like, oh, it's like a period. Okay. Like that's not true. So being able to Being able to turn to the community and say, like, what should my miscarriage survival kit look like, so to speak, and like, what is needed? And like, being able to have that for myself, but then to also share all that with everybody, it was just important to me to try to help through this awful situation. So if anyone is interested in any of that, I do have it all saved You can go back and look in my highlights, which I hate that I even have to call it highlights when I'm talking about a miscarriage, but it is saved in my highlights if anyone is interested in what that experience looked like and what what a lot of suggestions were that came in from the community. Um, I think it's a great resource. So anyways, having a miscarriage was was not easy by any means, Um, but I'm not here today to just talk about that because my experience is that of someone who had a stillbirth prior to a miscarriage, which greatly impacted how I viewed and processed it all. So first, let me say this. Baby loss is baby loss is baby loss. I believe that everyone's loss, grief, babies, they all matter. There is no caveat to that. It doesn't matter what type of loss or when it happened, it all matters. However, our personal experiences do have an impact on how we perceive things and how they impact us. So for me, having a 31-week stillbirth Definitely played a huge role in how I viewed and grieved my eight week miscarriage. My son, Nico, died at 31 weeks gestation, but before that, he lived, and I felt his life. I felt his kicks and rolls, I felt him pushing into my bladder. My body grew and changed because of his growing body. I heard his heartbeat. I saw him dancing in ultrasounds. I got to hold him and kiss him, hug him, and and so on. With Sweet Pea, I didn't get any of that. We never heard a distinct heartbeat. Never saw them moving around in an ultrasound. Never felt them grow or kick. The two losses are extremely different. Both babies were wanted and loved, and I had future dreams and plans with each of them in mind. That that grief is similar, but it feels impossible to compare the two. And I hate to say this, but because of all of that, Sweet Pea didn't feel as real to me. We had a funeral for Nico. We flushed sweet pea. That distinction alone impacts my grief over them. And I have guilt over having to flush sweet pea. Like I, that's a traumatic moment. And that's something that's completely different from Nico. We didn't have that. So again, like my grief around the two are just so different. And I'm going to say the word different a million times during this episode. I just don't know how else to explain it. When I talk about my children and how many kids I have, I typically say that I have three kids, Luna, Nico, and Julian. When I talk about my losses, though there were two, Nico and Sweet Pea. I still recognize that I am a mother to Sweet Pea, but I don't include them in my kid count. And honestly just saying that makes me feel guilty, but it's the truth and I don't have I I don't have a distinct or precise reason why it is that way. It's just like I said, sweet pea never felt as real to me because I didn't get those experiences with sweet pea. I'm not sure how I would feel if I had a miscarriage first, followed by a stillbirth. I can only assume it would be different. What I do know is that having a stillbirth first changed me as a person. I no longer assumed I would take home a living baby just because I was pregnant, no matter how far along I was. So when I became pregnant again after that, and it ended so quickly, I didn't feel like I even had the opportunity to be truly happy about this new possibility of having a baby at home. I was so jaded. But for me, I think it really came down to not feeling the life of Sweet Pea inside me at any point. Not even having morning sickness. It made it easier for me to feel like I was grieving an idea more than I was grieving a baby. And I know that sounds horrible. And I'm sure I'm upsetting many of you with that statement. So let me just say again that this is my experience. And if you feel differently about your own miscarriage or losses, I completely respect that and believe that your feelings on that matter. I'm just here talking about my experience and my outlook on my losses. I'm also being very careful here by not saying that I gave birth to Nico and not Sweet Pea because I recognize that miscarriage is also birth. I do, I do have to point out though how different those births were for me. One was at home in my bathroom while the other was in a hospital with doctors and nurses, very similar to when I gave birth to my living daughter. Now, I'm not saying at all that one is harder than the other, because honestly, having a miscarriage at home and, like I said, flushing the toilet was extremely traumatic for me. I'm just saying that they were very different experiences. And for me, that made Nico feel more real than Sweet Pea because... I got to know him better over all of that time, including that time in the hospital with him and holding him. I feel like I never got to know Sweet Pea. Now, I still I still talk about Sweet Pea and try to honor them, but that also feels a lot different for me than how it does with Nico. Nico was a full-blown baby, well past viability. I was able to hold him in my arms and kiss him having that connection with him absolutely impacted how important honoring him is to me and creating a legacy is. I feel like with Nico, I grieve my son. I grieve his birthdays each year, how old he would be, wonder what he would look like compared to when he was born. I grieve his life and how that was stolen from him and from all of us. I grieve for my daughter and now my living son and how they should have a sibling here. I grieve so much with him. And I also have memories with him. From the time when he was in my in my belly, craving Taco Bell when I was pregnant with him, to joking about how he'd be a great soccer player or, or a football punter because of how strong his kicks were. To his cute little button nose. With Sweet Pea, I grieve so differently. I I grieve the more general what-ifs. I grieve the fact that they should be here, but I have no idea who they are. I don't know if they would have been a boy or a girl. I don't know what foods they would have craved while pregnant with them, so I don't associate anything like that with them. I can't even begin to wonder what sports they would have played because I never felt them moving. It's also super complicated because if Sweet Pea did live, then my son, whom I became pregnant with months after, he wouldn't be here. And also, when we lost Sweet Pea, it brought up a lot of grief that I had about Nico. And it made me miss Nico more and... It made me feel even more unworthy of having another living baby. It was just so layered. At the end of the day, I grieve both losses. I just can't talk about them in the same context because my grief around them are both just so insanely different. I hope I haven't offended anybody here while talking about my lived experience uh, because I, I do believe all of our babies matter, and all of our grief is valid. And I say that, and I really, I really mean it. Because I even mean it in the moments here where I'm saying how awful I feel about saying some of the things I'm saying in regards to Sweet Pea. Because I love Sweet Pea, and I wish Sweet Pea were here, and I, I grieve that life that should have been it's just hard because I don't know anything about sweet pea because it was so early and having had a previous loss where I knew so much about my son and I got to hold him and look in his eyes. They're just vastly different. Like I said earlier, it really does feel like grieving my son versus grieving the idea And the hope of what my future should be. Of what my future family should be. And Sweet Pea feels like that idea. And I I hate saying it like that, but I feel like that's the, the best way for me to put it. Things I wish people outside of the lost community knew is that I grieve both babies. Both losses. I think most people assume that I'm just grieving Nico, but I grieve Sweet Pea too. It just looks very different, and I've already said that a million times. When I learned I was pregnant with Sweet Pea, we told family and close friends right away. So we obviously had to tell them when we lost them. That's when I really noticed a difference in how people reacted to miscarriage versus stillbirth. And honestly, I mean, it was hurtful. So now if you know my story, you know I didn't have a great support system outside of my husband after Nico died. But with my miscarriage, it felt even more dismissive. My husband even got a, well, at least you get to try again. That's the fun part comment, which I fortunately wasn't there for because I would have like ripped that person a new one. But when I heard about it, it made me sick to my stomach to think about. Like early miscarriage, no matter how early, it's a loss. We're grieving all like the future hopes and dreams we have for our family. Like the moment you find out you're pregnant, you are planning your future with this baby. And that was all ripped away. Like I had like I had envisioned a future with Sweet Pea, being part of our family at home. Like I find out the due date and we're like, oh, okay. So if we go on vacation at this point, then they're going to be a month old or this is like – figuring it all out. Like you're, you do that well in advance. And so for people to be so dismissive, to be like, at least you get to try again. Like that's not okay by any means. And all that to say early miscarriage, like I said, is loss and it's impactful and life-changing just as much as stillbirth. I grieve both things I wish people within the loss community knew is that just because I'm here explaining how different my two losses were, I truly hope that nobody feels attacked or that I am at all implying that your miscarriage does not matter because it does. It matters. I'm just here explaining my uncomfortable reality because I have rarely ever heard other loss moms who have had stillbirths prior to miscarriages, talk about their losses in this way. And truly, it's uncomfortable to say some of the things that I've said just now. And I don't know what the reaction is going to be, but I know I have to speak my truth and put it out there. Things I wish I could tell myself prior to loss is to try to not feel guilty and punish myself. I don't think I would listen to myself, but I would absolutely tell myself that for sure. Uh, Also, I know that me thinking uh, what's stopping me from being one in four didn't cause my miscarriage of sweet pea, but I would remind myself of that, Um, that thinking something negative or having intrusive thoughts wouldn't be the reason for anything bad happening to me. And I would also tell myself how strong and capable I am. And that I would be surprised with how much I'm able to accomplish and overcome. Stillbirth is hard. Miscarriage is hard. Baby loss of any kind is hard to say the absolute least. They are all things that nobody should have to live through. We all have our own little equation of loss. Mine happens to be stillbirth plus miscarriage in that order. And that order played a big role in what the result was for me and my grief. I don't want any of you to relate to this, but for those of you who have experienced similar loss... I hope my sharing has at least made you feel a little bit seen. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Things I Wish You Knew, the podcast. As always, hate that you're here. Honored to have you. This episode is brought to you in part by Little Words Project. Little Words Project aims to inspire and encourage people to be kind to themselves and to pay that kindness forward one bracelet at a time. Not only do they have tons of cute bracelets with affirmations, they also offer custom bracelets, both beaded and their new dainty gold line. I personally wear my custom beaded bracelets with my kids' names on them every single day. Use code Mama at checkout for 15% off your order. Again, that's B-A-L-O-S-S-M-A-M-A at checkout for 15% off any order or see the show notes for the link to take you directly there.